City on the Edge. 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 Yes, this is the City on the Edge super spooktacular. Does that I sound like right? That. Okay. Spooktacular. Um, yeah, it's our Halloween episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Halloween's an important time for us. Our first episode went out on uh, right after Halloween, so I feel like uh-huh. this is our anniversary. So this has got to be like our third anniversary. Yeah. Because um, I like was that. in on the second Halloween episode. That's right. I think we've only done two. Maybe time's getting away from us. I know. Not sure. But um, anyway, welcome it, to City on the Edge. <laughs> grab a glass of blood. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And um, get in here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, should we throw out some Crypt Keeper-esque puns throughout the episode? Yes. Just to, to make Mike mad, because he's not here tonight. Mike is, uh, Mike is working the, uh, the streets mm-hmm. <laughs> as a political canvasser right now, so he's getting the vote out. Yeah. Good man. And everyone should go vote. Yes, indeed. Um, so I'm Ty Bannerman. I'm Nora Hickey. And tonight we're going to be talking about graveyards in Albuquerque, cemeteries, yep, burial sites. Dun dun dun! <laughs> I feel like we have to have sound effects for this one. Doors creaking. I'll I'll see what I can do. Banshee's yeah, that, that sounds good. A very uh, very spooky ambiance. Yeah. Um, so we went uh, we went digging for uh, <laughs> digging for information on the graves. Uh, in this city, and uh, Nora, you you found a a veritable trove. Yes, and to give an overview of burial in Albuquerque, and before it was Albuquerque, that people have been around here since. Correct me if I'm wrong, Ty, but approximately 9500 BC. Yeah, 5, you know, 500 BC. It gets increasingly hard to pin that date down, and it's constantly being revised. But yeah, a good yeah, long time. A good long time, and so people, current people, um, and record keeping people, records that we found haven't found sites of burial from the earliest people here. Right, but we can assume that they buried. You know, well, people dead. people back then were dying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's not a thing we invented. So, uh, yeah, they're out there. And if you go to a place like the Maxwell Museum on UNM campus, you can see that the Southwestern peoples, early peoples, were burying their dead, um, mm-hmm. often with their arms crossed or a little jewelry or token in there. So burial was important. You yeah, know, right. They didn't just leave the body Yeah, absolutely. Outside, yeah. Absolutely, um, so uh, what, did you, uh, what did you find out about these, uh, these sites? Okay. So the first sites that were found were Anasazi sites, mm-hmm. approximately 400 to 1600 AD. Um, and right. these had different modes of burial. So this was in and around Albuquerque. And these are like the ancestral, uh, the ancestors of the Pueblo people who live nearby today. Exactly. Yeah. And so... There were different modes of burial. Some were near the settlements, it looked like, and others were far from the settlements. Okay. You know, make of that what you will. Uh, okay, so there seemed to be like a two-tiered system is what you're saying? like Yeah, like who knows if there was much like a, um, what are those graveyards called for criminals and... Oh, uh, yeah. like Boot Hill? Or, like, um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So... Who knows, or if it was a part of the specific culture, right? People, 
Um, and then there's Spanish, there's colonization, but there haven't been sites of burial found. But again, we can assume people are dying. Right. Um, and so the next big wave were settlers and really... So like Eastern settlers. Eastern settlers. Okay. Well, pre-Eastern, I should say, okay. was from the first church, which is the church in Old Town, um, San ah. Felipe de Neri in 1706. Okay. So that was founded in 1706 mm-hmm. and... Presumably, but people are being buried near Old Town. Yeah, so in the churchyard mm-hmm. or nearby Campo Santos, which are sacred grounds. Right. So they're not yet the formal cemetery that we know with uh-huh. headstones or markers, but they're burial grounds essentially. Right. Yeah. And yeah, often like, from what I understand um, from the research I've done, if you stand on the northwest corner of the plaza in Old Town, you're basically standing where some of the old burial grounds were. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so the church that we know, San Felipe de Neri, mm-hmm. uh, which is on the north end of the plaza, that's actually the second church, and that was built in, I think, like 1790 or something like that. Oh. So there was another church on the west side, and they don't know the exact location, but they certainly had like a burial ground there. And a lot of those bodies were moved, but you can pretty much guarantee that there are mm-hmm. some still under the streets of Old Town. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I wonder where they were moved. Do we know? Actually, I do know. <gasps> um, when we talk about some of the... Well, okay, so there were... Um, have we talked about how Albuquerque, as we know it today, is actually made up of a multitude of smaller villages, towns old uh, Native American Pueblos that were absorbed and Mm -hmm. incorporated. Right. So pretty much every one of those would have had some kind of small Mm -hmm. burial ground. Um, And one of the ones that was kind of... All right, let me see if I I can remember this right. So when they decided to move a bunch of the um, bodies from, from Old Town, there was a... Uh, an area of town uh, that we now call Martinez Town that was known as Santa Barbara. And it had a bit of a burial ground. So they actually wound up moving a bunch of the Mm. bodies from the old town area into the Santa Barbara Cemetery, Mm. which you can visit today, which has been absorbed into, first of all, the Sunset Memorial Gardens, and then later uh, Mount Cavalry uh, Cemetery. So. Wow. Which is a very large uh, cemetery, like complex, off of uh, Manal, uh, going south along Edith, and down to right about Indian, Indian School. Indian School, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's where. And it's, so it's actually like three cemeteries in one. Oh, four, wow. if you count the Pet Cemetery, that's also there. Oh man, that's a lot of cemetery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's like our cemetery corridor of town. Right, right. We should put that on our tourism brochures. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that one, and then there's, I guess, Fairview. Yeah. Did you look into Fairview at all? No. Fairview is one of my favorites. We'll have a piece a little bit later on. You wrote about it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's on Yale? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's the one on Yale near near the university. Well, I'm excited to hear. Okay. So, well, uh, I, I feel like I derailed you a little bit, but go on. Well, so the... When Easterners came, so, you know, New Mexico becomes part of the U.S., 1846, Eastern settlers come and they bring their 
what we consider this traditional cemetery graveyard style. Right, yeah. right. With lawns. and Yeah, the lawns. Um, what do they call it? Um, perpetual care. Yeah. For a few years anyway. Right. <laughs> and we'll, we've, we'll talk about some abandoned, neglected cemeteries yeah. and what they look like now. So that leads to approximately 68 cemeteries in the area. But in in Al- Bernalillo and some of... Um, Valencia County as well. So would that be, that would be like the greater metropolitan area, I suppose? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 68 cemeteries, and that includes old um, ancestral Puebloan yep. burial sites, Hispanic cemeteries, um, and then Eastern. Right, exactly. White, Eastern Anglo cemeteries, I guess is what you'd call it. Yeah. Day. It's more like those are the traditions, not the people who are necessarily buried there. Right, exactly. Yeah. But that's kind of interesting how the ethnic makeup is reflected in the cemeteries as well. Yeah, Yeah. very much so. And so so I just had a few notable cemeteries. Mm -hmm. And so some of these, right, are burial sites that are unmarked. And this one harkens back to our previous episode, a few episodes back, the Indian School. Okay. So the Indian School Cemetery is outside of the Indian school, in the Indian school grounds. And the burials were primarily Zuni, Navajo, and Apache students who died while they were there during 1882, or between, sorry, 1882 and 1933. Right. The students were living there full time at that point. It was a boarding school. Right. And just to remind the listeners, this is about uh, 12th Street and, uh, again, Manal, Manal. right? Mm-hmm. Um, where the Indian Pueblo Cultural Center is and where the new Starbucks is over there as right. well. So it, whereabouts is the actual burial ground? It was 4-H Park, which I wasn't sure where it is. Hmm. And so there weren't any graves marked and the area... At, in the 90s, at least, was grassed and paved over, except for this playground area in the northwest corner. Okay. Is, so that's um, Manal and, yeah, literally, if you follow Manal just west of 12th Street, there's a 4-H park. So there's unmarked graves there. Yeah. Wow. Right. Right under the playground. Right. Potentially. Right. And you have to wonder, you know, if the bodies, if there was an attempt to be returned to the Pueblo, you know, how that all worked. And in our research for our our Indian school episode, I didn't find really anything about burials or what Um, happened. But we know that there are, in fact, people buried in that area. And then the other one I want to mention is the one, and if you live in Albuquerque, you might have seen it, but it's the cemetery that's off of I-25, so okay. you, you can take the exit, the Gibson exit, ah, east. Okay. but I think they've commonly been called San Jose, right? Um, but technically mm-hmm. they're different cemeteries, Yes, which is interesting. Um, and so this one I found interesting because I see it all the time, mm-hmm. you know, and I always wonder who's in it. Right. What's that about? What's that about? Um, and looking into it there in the nineties, there was, um, one man and it says here from my source quote, recently there has been an almost single handed effort by one man, Guillermo Padilla to paint wooden crosses and clean out trash from the cemetery and the San Jose cemetery. Um, 
and then he passed away in 1999. And so, it's sort of been left mm-hmm. into uh, to fall into neglect. Exactly. Yeah. And as you were saying, these small towns or communities, you know, mm-hmm. that sprung up had their own cemeteries, and these cemeteries were a part of San Jose. And so in 1860, it was a successful farming community. But then in 1880, when the railroad came, um, it brought jobs, but it also yeah. ruined agriculture. Sure. So in that area, industrial failure happened and then kind of social, right. quote unquote, failure. or um, Hard to make a living. Yeah, the yeah. community begins the community. to mm-hmm. scatter and, and all that, like Borelis or something else like that. Right. Um, although I suppose it probably still has its own identity down there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and so I was looking at the, and I, I love the internet most of the time, not all the time. Way for the internet, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you can find the names of people on websites like findagrave.com. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. So I was just looking at people in Benino Cemetery specifically, mm-hmm. and I was having a hard time finding um, any record of these people. And a lot of these people who are buried are, you know, they're the working class farmers, railroad sure. workers, soldiers. Yeah. Um, you know, they're not the upper class of Albuquerque. Right. But this one name I saw kind of stood out, Plum Hodges. Plum Hodges, okay. And That's so an I Googled name. Plum Hodges in the old Albuquerque journals. Mm-hmm. And I found this one little story about him. And it says, dies in rooming house. Mm. Death from natural causes was the verdict reached Thursday in a coroner's jury inquest into the death of Plum Hodges of 14 and a half West Gold. Hodges, 46, was said to have been born in North Carolina and was registered with a draft board in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And that's about all we know. And that's know. it, yeah. Just, uh, just one name, one life. Mm-hmm. One life that sort of faded into the background, I guess. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, here's to you, Plum Hodges. yeah. We see you, Plum. <laughs> um, and then you did some digging into uh, one of your favorite cemeteries. Oh, Fairview? Yeah. Yeah. So this was one I did uh, ages ago, um, although I love these uh, the stories from Fairview. Fair- Have you spent much time at Fairview Cemetery? No, not Nora. a lot. I love I need, Fairview. I need to put it on my list. I think I've been to Fairview Cemetery more than I've been to any cemetery and probably more than I've been to... Uh, Chipotle. Yo, definitely oh. more than I've been to Chipotle. Uh, but if you um, if you go south from the university on Yale, right about Yale and Garfield is where it begins, just, just another block after that. And it's one of uh, the larger cemeteries around, and it is um, immediately... I mean, I, I, when, I, when I first discovered it, uh, I was living in the neighborhood and would kind of wander around. And then one day I was like, oh, my gosh, there's a huge cemetery, like, right behind these houses over here. Yeah. And it's uh, divided roughly in half. And the north half of it is very old, um, falling down, uh, decrepit, hmm. neglected, vandalized. And the south half is much more recent. Uh, the graves 
uh, date from about the 40s generally, and it's all green lawn and big trees and everything's manicured, and that's where the little um, Daniels family uh, mortuary service is over there. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, so I, was, I, I found that very um, arresting, you know, mm-hmm. and... I have to say, after having uh, visited that cemetery many times, it's the northern part that I always make sure to go to. And then I could take or leave the southern part. It's just a much more interesting experience. Mm -hmm. Um, Go during the day. (laughs) I have been known to go there at night, and I did almost step on somebody who was taking a nap. uh, Or I guess uh, if you're sleeping at night, you're just sleeping. Right. (laughs) And um, that was not a pleasant experience, I think, for either of us. And, uh, you know, so... You know, just don't go hanging around cemeteries at night, generally Unless speaking. it's Halloween, right? And yeah, exactly. You kind of get... So what does cemetery vandalism look like? I was trying to think of... Is it defaced headstones? Mostly, um, I mean, most of the time it's broken headstones, oh. uh, moved headstones, uh, broken bottles... I mean, it's kind of debris and trash, and it's. I've rarely or, seen any uh, spray painting or anything. Maybe some, but it's like my take on it is it's a it's a quiet place to go at night, mm-hmm. and if you're uh, in a drinking mood, you're unlikely to be bothered. You know, especially right. in the, the neglected part, and so. Uh, and, you know, when people drink, they sometimes get a little rowdy and decide they're going to knock over the headstones. Yeah. Which, you know, sucks and you shouldn't do that. But you can see that mm-hmm. decades and decades of, of a place just sitting there more or less unattended. Kind of dark. It's not that well lit, right? It's kind of right. private in a way. It's totally unlit. Yeah. Um, at least it has been the last time I was there. And one of the things that I like about it and makes it a real shame, the condition that, it, that it's in, is, uh, it is it has a very strong connection to Albuquerque's history and New mm-hmm. Mexico's history as a whole. Because these are graves that go back to uh, the 1800s. A lot of um, early residents of Albuquerque, mm-hmm. uh, especially Newtown Albuquerque, are, are there. Um, notable names are there. Aren't Buffalo Soldiers buried here? Yeah, uh, Buffalo Soldiers are apparently uh, interred there, although typically unmarked. Hmm. There's a whole area on the north side of the north half that is almost entirely free of headstones. There's some broken ones and things, but um, hardly any there. And Susan Schwartz, who's like the archivist, uh, or was the archivist for Fairview Cemetery, um, explained to me that that was actually where a lot of uh, Native Americans and African uh, Americans were buried in the 1800s. Um, How come? Just uh, money. Hmm. Um, a lot of times, the families didn't have the money to erect, you know, a big fancy headstone. So either the headstones were small or not there at all, um, and so it just they went away. You know. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, whereas a family with money would be in a better part of the cemetery mm. that was probably more well tended at that point, right? And could put walls, you know, little low walls or cages or big uh, plinths out yeah. there, and they would last a little longer. Um, so interesting. Yeah. So let me uh, go ahead and let's visit the land of the dead, then, shall we? Yes, I'll try to remain. Mom, me. Oh, ouch. 
that was terrible. <laughs> oh God, I, I'm reaching here. <laughs> it was a reach. It was a reach, but I like it. I like that you showed the uh, the effort. Thank you. The Land of the Dead. Forgotten History at Fairview Cemetery. Life is precious but fleeting. Nowhere is that more obvious than a cemetery. There the dead outnumber the living, and monuments are erected to the memory of those who have gone before. But it is also a place where we flatter ourselves into believing that, even though our lives will inevitably be over, some part of us will last, even if it's just a name on a stone. In our hearts forever, we write, gone but not forgotten. At the southern end of the student ghetto, the historic Fairview Cemetery stands as a rebuttal to these conceits. Founded in 1881 and containing over 12,000 burials, the sprawling grounds are now given over to brambles and broken bottles, vandalism and the subsidence of the earth itself. Many of the graves are unmarked and shattered headstones litter the area. Even at the graves where the headstones remain intact, the ground is often collapsing downward as coffins give way to decay. Few people come here to visit the dead. Rather, most who pass through are looking for a quiet place to sleep, drink, or shoot up. Susan Schwartz is one of the few who come to remember. Everybody that formed our town is basically buried here, she told me on a late spring morning as she and I walked among the graves. Schwartz has worked with the Daniels Family Funeral Services, the current owners of the cemetery, to catalog the burial records and has arranged for volunteers to periodically help clean up the land. She tells me that she first became interested in the preservation of cemeteries after a woman in Michigan helped her to find her great-grandmother's grave. The lady there was really helpful, she says, so when I came back, I was working on tombstone transcription at Fairview for a while, a friend and I, Linda Hobart, and when we couldn't find people's graves that we wanted to find, we went into the office and they said, well, our records aren't really good because, you know, they're old. And I said, well, my kids are leaving home. Can I help? And I never left. After several years of working at Fairview, Susan became one of the few authorities on this ruined historic cemetery. As we walk through the lot, she tells me the stories of those who are buried here, and together we remember the dead. The Pereas. Near the center of the grounds, we stop by a sandy red column, five feet tall and carved on all four sides with the kind of impeccable flowing script common to, late, to the late 19th century. This is the first documented burial here, says Susan, the Perea family. As you go around the four sides, you'll see that it's showing different children. The earliest dates belong to a baby girl named Mary Josefina Perea, who lived four months and died in February of 1881. The oldest child is a nine-year-old boy named Mosheim. He died in 1889. Susan tells me there is some discrepancy between the dates listed on the headstone and the interment records, which list Mosheim as the first burial. Occasionally, the headstone engravers do make mistakes. I'm assuming my records are correct. There are many Pereas in Fairview. They were an influential family in early Albuquerque and New Mexico overall. Jose Perea, Buried nearby was the father of the children listed on the red stone and the first Presbyterian minister born in New Mexico. Their uncle, Francisco Perea, interred in the Jewish section of Fairview. Some of Perea's descendants speculate that the family had crypto-Jewish backgrounds. 
defended Albuquerque from the Texan volunteers during the Civil War, served as a delegate to Congress, and was in the audience at Ford's Theater when Lincoln was shot. The Rock. This is a good one, Schwartz tells me as we near a granite boulder rising incongruously from among the headstones. This is part of the Sims family plot. Albert Sims was in Congress, and this, she says, pointing to one of the three inscribed slabs, is his second wife. The boulder, she says, is a token from a tragedy that gripped Albuquerque for eight days in 1938. Ruth McCormick, the woman whose body lies beneath the center grave, was a congresswoman and suffragette from Illinois. Her first husband killed himself following a failed bid for senator. Afterwards, she met and married Albert Sims, a U.S. representative from New Mexico, and the body to her left. She soon moved to Albuquerque to live on Sims' estate, and her son from the previous marriage, John McCormick, came with her. John, who was 21 in 1938, was enchanted by the mountains in New Mexico and spent many weekends traveling and climbing. In June of that year, he and his 20-year-old friend, Richard Whitner, made plans to scale the Shield, the stark pinnacle at the northern end of Sandia. They left Sims' estate in the North Valley in an old Ford sedan and were never seen alive again. When the boys did not return the next day, Ruth McCormick and Albert Sims called for a search. Under the personal direction of Governor Clyde Tingley himself, dozens of police, forest service agents, and trackers from nearby Isleta Pueblo began to comb the hills of Sandia. Airplanes flew overhead searching for some sign of the boys. Numerous photographs show Ruth McCormick in a white dress scanning the mountains with a pair of binoculars, hoping for some clue to their whereabouts. Soon, their car was discovered locked at the entrance to a canyon. The search was front-page news in the city, and each development was breathlessly reported. When Whitner's body was discovered broken at the foot of the pinnacle, hope faded for finding McCormick alive. And indeed, at the end of, his, of the eight-day search, his crumpled form was discovered on a ledge halfway down the cliff. It seemed that as the boys had clambered up the rocks, a sudden lightning storm caught them unaware. Lightning hit him and his friend, Susan tells me. He fell off and landed on that stone, dead. He was buried in Fairview, and to memorialize the tragedy, Susan says, Ruth had the stone he died on brought down from Sandia and placed above his head. The Mask Toward the east end of Fairview, small rectangular cinder blocks mark the graves of the impoverished. Some are sunken into the ground or toppled over. The effect is something like broken teeth. As I pick my way through the weeds and try to avoid stepping into holes, Susan is scanning the ground carefully. Here it is, she announces. She is standing before one of the blocks. From where I am, it looks exactly the same as any other, but as I walk over, I catch a flash of color from the ground. In front of the marker, partially buried in the sandy earth, there is a white ceramic mask at a colorful tableau depicting a young auburn-haired woman kneeling with her arm around a dog in a mountainous pine forest. A woman, Elizabeth Bauer Barker, she made this for her mother, Susan says as I bend over the plaque. She hadn't seen her since she was four years old. Her mom was a product of the 60s and 70s and got involved with drugs, had a baby and couldn't take care of her child. The grandma took over and the daughter didn't see her again. The mother, Deborah Ernice Bauer Fout, drifted to Albuquerque and by 1985 she had fallen into a lifestyle of hard drugs and transients. After splitting with a boyfriend, she left his house with nothing but her dog and a few belongings in her car. A kind-hearted woman offered to let her stay the night at her home because she had no place else to go. But the next morning, Deborah was dead of an overdose.
Years later, her daughter came to New Mexico searching for her mother's grave. She enlisted Susan's help, and together they found it in the indigent section of Fairview. She had that mask made for her, and she made this plaque. Her mother liked mountains, so she did everything that would depict her mom. A beautiful girl, 32 when she passed away, drug overdose. I cried when I read the story she sent to me about it, Susan says. Too many to tell. These are only three of the thousands of stories that cry out from Fairview's broken graves, too many for one person to ever tell. Black buffalo soldiers who served in the West, children from the nearby Indian school interred in unmarked graves, hundreds of Easterners who came out to the health country in the hope of a cure for their tuberculosis, but who died of it nonetheless in a land far from their homes, several New Mexico governors, the first Albuquerque policeman to be killed in the line of duty, shot down by thieves in 1886, Life upon life, story upon story. But like so many who are buried here, Fairview itself is a forgotten place. Vandals and the ravages of time have had free reign. It is not unusual for a visitor to come across syringes and condoms. But people like Susan Schwartz are trying to change that. In addition to her efforts to organize cleanup and to maintain the history of the space, Schwartz's work has recently borne fruit that promises a more permanent sort of stewardship. In June of this year... The historic Fairview Cemetery received official nonprofit status. Although the organization is in its nascent stages, Susan Schwartz sits on the board. If her fellow members are as passionate as she is, the dead of Fairview will continue to be remembered for a little longer, at least. But so you've never been there. No, I've walked by it, driven by it. Everybody who has the ability to tolerate cemeteries should go there at least once. It's it's a wonderful place. Okay. No, you've convinced me. <laughs> All <And> right. <laughs> this the research for this and talking about it has made me want to go to a cemetery. Yeah. I I like right. You can't say I like cemeteries, but no, I like cemeteries. Can you say that? Yeah, I think I think you can. I you like to sick go and bastard. <laughs> I like to go and make fun of all the dead people. <laughs> no, I like to go and, and remember and, you know, mm -hmm. consider the stories. Yeah. Like, you know, some stories and then some some make you wonder about them. And then maybe you go home and you do some research and you find out about them. Yeah. And there's something about seeing the names and the dates and you just yeah think, who was that person? What kind of life did they have? Right. Yes. Um, but my kids won't go with me anymore. Uh, they, because you they got, got too, too freaked out. Oh, <laughs> my son got too freaked out last time uh, we went. I think it's it's it is very sad. You know, it you is. see kids and everything. And I mean, Oof, the kids. Yeah, yeah. There's always always a bunch of bunch of dead dead children's graves, mm -hmm. which is definitely you know some cause for uh, for thought. Yeah. But I'm very much of like the kind of the Victorian mindset of this is a place to go and, you mm -hmm. know, this this should be used by the living as well as right. a place to store the dead, you know. And we're so weird about death now in right. modern times. They're not with us in our homes. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, we should. I think even though cemeteries are falling out of favor, Aren't yeah. more people getting cremated and finding yeah. alternatives to cemeteries? I think so. Um, my family is a, a fairly, fairly uh, decent line of cremators at this point. Mm -hmm. A few, a few generations now. So I certainly count myself that way. And I, um, 
Not to get morbid, but do you have a place in Fairview Cemetery? Uh, no, because I have death? not dead, died yet, Nora. Um, you no. are going to, though. I hate to... <sighs> well, that's a little cynical of you, but... Well, uh, unless you're you got a line to Elon Musk, I think we're all oh, man. going down. Yeah, maybe I'll be reincarnated as a self-driving car. <laughs> um. No, uh, at this point, it, it seems likely that uh, I would be scattered beneath a certain uh, spruce pine tree in the Hamas Mountains, along with my father and my grandfather, and presumably my grandmother as well, uh, at some point in the, in the not-too-distant future. Jeez, that's really lovely. Yeah, it's a nice canyon. Yeah. It's a nice place. So that that seems okay to me. Yeah. As much as I love cemeteries, I don't particularly feel any need to be buried in one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. They're kind of these, it's like this, it's this type of archive or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love going to them. I think it's a great way to, to remember the dead, but. And one of the stories that you talked about in your piece Mm -hmm. reminded me of the other story you found that also involved teenage boys going into the wilderness and perishing. Right. So if we go back to Santa Barbara uh, Cemetery, um, which is now known as either Mount Calvary or, mm. or um, Sunset Gardens, and you go to the southern end of that cemetery, and that's the old Santa Barbara section. Mm-hmm. It's very much like the north part of Fairview. The graves are old and falling apart and um, oftentimes broken. Mm-hmm. And there is one in particular that is the body of a dog, not the head. The head's been knocked off years and years ago. Wow. And it says, um, it says, Fido, for seven days and nights, he guarded the frozen body of his little master in a mountain wilderness. And it's uh, dedicated as of February 14th, 1930. And you looked into this story, right? Yeah. So what, what did you... Well, the echoes with the McCormick family. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I really noticed because it was a story of 16-year-old boy Mm -hmm. with his friends and and the 16-year-old boy whose dog it was and who was buried there is Alfonso Cedillo. Right. And he and his friends went pinon picking right um in the mountains between Santa Fe and Las Vegas so somewhere in the Pecos it sounds like uh yeah so by Glorieta Glorieta I think. okay so this would have been November of 1930 1929 1929 1929 and so he and he separated from his friends Alfonso mm. did and didn't return yeah and then they went to the mom and said you know, your son didn't return, and right. she, fearing the worst, got the sheriff involved, and they found him later. Yeah, so it was like this terrible snowstorm up there, and um, couldn't find hide nor hair of him but uh, for about a week. Oof. And then apparently they came across his frozen body lying face downward uh, with his little dog, Fido. And the dog was alive. The dog was still alive and guarding the body. Oh, yeah! Like what an image. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, I wonder, should we read 
One of those articles, that one about the mother finding out. Yeah. Gosh, I, I love that. Do you want to read it? I have it up, yeah. It is God's will, says mother of Alfonso Cedillo, when told he had been found dead in snow. Death hovered over the moonlit fields along Indian School Road Friday night and cast its shadow over a humble adobe house where the feeble glow of a lamp shone through the windows. Inside, the mother of young Alfonso Cedillo, missing for eight days in the snow-covered hills of the Pecos country, stoically bore the grief that pierced her heart as she was hesitantly told her son had been found dead. A circle of friends were with her in the clean little parlor of the home, sitting in the warmth of a small stove, when Under Sheriff Martin Hayden and Deputy Sheriff James Hubble entered. A black shawl shrouded the mother's head. Speaking softly in Spanish to allay the blow, Deputy Hubble said, We have bad news for you. I have been expecting it, replied the mother, Mrs. Eloisa Martinez, widowed after second marriage. Your son has been found, Hubble told her. Dead? asked the mother after a pause. A nod confirmed the belief that had been growing in her mind as the days passed since her son's disappearance. It is God's will, she uttered. I am glad to know my boy is not still suffering. Drawing the black shawl over the lower part of her face, she bowed her head and softly cried. The sympathetic words of Deputy Hubble brought the philosophical reply, I have two daughters left to me. As the mother wept, one of the young daughters asked about the disposition of her brother's body. Upon being told it was being brought here, she asked that it be arranged at the Crowlot Mortuary before her mother saw it. Yeah, so that was a November 16th, 1929 Albuquerque Journal. And I'm just, the the quality of that writing is so Mm -hmm. different than all the writing leading up to it. I just, I love that the the author was clearly quite touched by this. Definitely. Moved to uh, to write it in a, in a bit more of a literary, mm-hmm. touching way. And really captured that yeah. moment. And I think, you know, as a, as a reader in 2018, there's some really interesting things. Just old Indian school being mainly fields and things mm-hmm. back then, you know, and a little adobe. And that's a, that's a pretty industrial area now. Mm-hmm. It's... it's uh, it's kind of a nice way to sort of transport yourself back and, and be able to see it as it was back then. I thought it was nice that the seemingly um, Anglo last name Sheriff spoke Spanish. Yeah, good point. And it seemed like everyone was very respectful and right yeah. acknowledged the solemnity of the occasion. Absolutely. I mean, this story was a big deal. This was like headline news mm-hmm. for the week that he was lost. And then this detail of the dog. Right. It didn't end with right. this teenager's death. It, uh, there's another story um, just a few days later, five days later. An update on the dog. Faithful dog of frozen lad is heartsick is the, is oh. the headline. And it says, will not eat since master was buried veterinarian is trying to save him for Alfonso's mother. It's just like this, this story clearly had, you know, a big effect on on the readership and, and the writers as well. Definitely. Um, to the extent that, uh, the local priest, uh, began working to raise funds 
to build mm-hmm. a uh, to make a uh, a bronze statue of the dog. Yeah, so they uh, they took up a collection to to put out a uh, a bronze statue, and uh, I I guess they didn't quite raise enough money for bronze because they wound up putting out a stone statue, which is the one that's mostly still there now, except for the head. Except for the head, apparently some jerks knocked it off back in the 80s. At least I found reference to it being headless uh, as far as the 80s. So, Hmm. um, I mean, I guess it could have been any time before that. Those 80s punks. Yeah, I think 80s punks uh, is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. But this, and you forwarded me maybe six articles from this story. So first the missing Alfonso. Right. Then reporting his death and then the saga with the dog who refuses to eat yeah is basically dying right and then how it it affected the community so much that people were sending in donations right it was it was a big deal and now almost i mean most people don't know that story that's for sure i mean they had they had some pretty grand plans they were going to be like this is going to be a place where children can come and learn about you know fidelity because Fido's the dog's name, and that comes from the word fidelity. And you know, hmm. as God's love is, fi- you know, yeah. Uh, how would you say God? God is. God is. God shows us fidelity. I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> now it's starting to sound like a loan or something. Right. <laughs> um, and this takes us to our commercial sponsored by <laughs> fidelity. fidelity. Yeah. So obviously that didn't quite pan out, but it mm. is. For those in the know, it's a it's a sweet little spot to go visit. Yeah. A little sad, but hey, it's a graveyard. And if you're feeling ghoulish for not knowing about all these <laughs> locations, yeah, <laughs> don't worry about it. Just go visit them. Just go visit them. Yeah. Okay. And go during the day. <laughs> yeah, don't go at night, guys. Don't go at night. You'll get grabbed by the boogeyman. Exactly. Or, you know. Somebody, or, or kick someone or a real person back. who's actually way scarier than the boogeyman. Yeah. All right. Well, was there anything else we should talk about now? We talked about the grave story. Right? 